Thank you, ladies, for ministering in music in the light of the message of that song. It's through Christ that we come into a relationship with God. And because of that relationship, we can love God. We can seek to be sensitive to Him. And it's also through Christ that we come into a relationship with other believers. As we think about the series I've been doing for a few weeks on the body of Christ, relating to the body of Christ, this morning, I've asked Alan to come up here, and uh, he's going to do a little illustration for me. On the floor, some of you can see it, some of you cannot. There's a 50-gallon pail of ice away setting here. I'm going to give Alan a thread. We're going to loop it around this handle one time, and I would like for you to pick up the bucket of ice away. You can't be holding the handle, just using the thread. Okay, thank you. The single piece of thread broke. Keep that in mind. We'll be coming back to picking up the bucket a little later. But a single thread does not have the strength to do it. I want to share the true story of an individual who has lived as an island for many years. Living, in as, a, living as an island has resulted in him, in him being stagnant his walk with the Lord. Basically, he shares no struggles with anyone. He just is always pretty good. He shows very little joy. He does not allow others to encourage him. He carries his deep trials alone. He's defensive at times when someone gets too close to him. He finds fault with others, tells them how to shape up, and will tell them what's wrong with them. His children consider him a hypocrite. He appears to listen to rebuke at times and to correction, but he doesn't act on it. He's hard to talk to because he always comes across as he's better than others. He's slow to forgive. You don't know if he has ever truly forgiven or not. And then if he even thinks about forgiving, the person has to promise to never do it again. He never truly admits that he sins, thus he doesn't seek forgiveness. Who am I describing? A professing believer who does not experience what we're discussing this morning, body life, the one another's. One who lives as a single thread, if you please, trying to go through life. Keep in mind in way of review that Christ is the head of his body, the church, and Christ and the body are a unit. The body is dependent upon Christ. We love Christ by loving his body. We show love to Christ by showing love to his body, the church. To neglect the body of Christ is to neglect Christ. They're intimately related. There's a union there. Love for Christ is demonstrated through passionate commitment to body life, consistent corporate worship, and consistent following church leaders. And what we just stated is foundational for effective marriages, effective parent-child relationships, on the job, and so on. So we think about what we discussed this morning, the incorrect teaching would be that a believer can be healthy 
by reading Scripture individually and attending worship services. You know, I follow through on those. You know, I'm doing pretty good. I do quite fine. Well, let's take our Bibles and look at some Scripture. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We know that the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians written to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth had some issues. He had some problems. But yet, Paul talks to them in the first chapter of the fact that they were saints. You know, they're set-apart ones. They had some divisions in the church, some following Peter, some Paul, some Apollos, and others said, well, we follow Christ. They had some marriage difficulties. They were tolerating immorality in the church and so on. And when we get to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is answering some questions. And apparently they had some questions about spiritual gifts. And in the context of discussing spiritual gifts, he says in verse 12 of chapter 12, the body is a unit that is made up of many parts. And though its parts are many, they form one body. He's talking about the physical body. Physical body, heart, lungs, blood, blood vessels, you know, and all kinds of muscles and all kinds of bones. Many parts, but form one body. He says, so it is with Christ. So in the body of Christ, we have many members. We have people who are different, but yet one body with Christ being the head. In verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. So those of us here this morning who are believers, part of the body of Christ, we've been given the Spirit. He lives within us. He works within us, works within the body. So he says in verse 14, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. The whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the members of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We would probably take notice if Jim Pollock came next week and he was just an arm, all arm. Lee comes next week and he's all foot. It's redundant to even think that way because you can't have a body unless there's many parts and it functions as a unit. He goes on, verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, 
every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The body is dependent. Our feet can't operate without the legs. The legs can't operate without the hips. And the legs and the feet can't operate without blood and no bones and no... It's interdependent. And when some part of the body ceases to function as it should, it creates havoc in the body. Leprosy is a disease that we hear about. We read about it in the Bible. Dr. Paul Brand, who worked with leprosy patients in India for many years, came to the conclusion that leprosy and the terribleness of leprosy is that certain body parts cease to function. That is, leprosy is a disease where there's no pain. So someone with leprosy can reach into a fire, pick out something hot, and not even feel any pain. As a result, it does damage to their hand, but they don't even know it. What has happened? The pain cells have ceased to function. And it ends up destroying the ears, the hands, the feet, the nose of people with leprosy. Because when they lie down at night, a rat might come along and chew on them. They don't even know it's happening. And that happens in India. But the body's no longer a unit. It's not functioning as a unit. Because the pain cells are not working. Within the body of Christ, he says in 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We're a unit. We function as a unit. And within that unit, let's go to another passage of Scripture in the Galatians, 1 and 2 Corinthians and Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 And we'll begin reading with verse 16. Galatians 5 and verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. 
But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, as Paul writes to the church in Galatia, they were being confronted with some teaching or being lured to go back to the law with, combined with Christ. And Paul very strongly says, it's Christ. It's Christ. You're free in Christ. And that freedom in Christ involves the body. And that involves relationships. In 22, being at peace with one another, being patient with one another. Did you ever need someone to be patient with you? Being kind, being gentle, displaying self-control. Those are relationships, the one another's. Where would you be today if people did not expend or extend kindness to you? Where would you be today if people did not extend gentleness to you? Where would you be today if people didn't extend self-control in responding to you or you to them? In chapter 6 and verse 1, he says, If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. I recall the time when a brother in the Lord called me, and he was kind of evasive, and I questioned him a little. I said, what's going on? And he finally told me that he fell into sin. He was caught in sin. He wasn't out looking for it. And I said, we need to talk. And I didn't want to talk on the phone because you can't hug someone on the phone and you can't see expressions and you can't cry with them as much. So we got together and we talked. And uh, after talking a while, I said, you know, you know what you're doing is sin and I know what you're doing is sin. Are you ready to walk away from it? And he said, I'm not ready yet. So I gave him a little space, and it wasn't too many days later I called him again, and I said, you know, we need to get together. You know, you can't continue in this. You've been caught in this sin. And if you continue down this path, it's going to really, it's going to kill you physically. So we got together again, and after we talked and shared, and he said, yeah, I was overtaken by sin. I was wrong. We prayed together, hugged him, and said, I'm going to be in touch with you. What did I do? He was caught in a sin, and I restored him. And to this day, no one knows who that person is or what his sin was. But what was I doing? I was being part of a body. He was being part of a body. He was willing to let me restore him. I was willing to restore him. That's the body. We need that. He says and goes on in verse 2, carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Some of us sitting here this morning are carrying burdens. We have struggles. And we're not to try to do it alone. We're not to try to carry it alone. As Alan tried to pick up this, pick up this bucket with a single strand of thread, it didn't work. 
We're to carry one another's burdens, but we're tempted to live as islands. I'll handle this myself. I can handle that myself. How are you today? I'm, you know, fine. But he says, carry each other's burdens. If someone's going to carry my burden, someone's going to carry your burden, you need to be willing to share it and let them carry it. Let's go over to Ephesians. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He prays for them. They were maturing in faith. They were maturing in love. And in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he deals with being in Christ. In chapters 4, 5, and 6, he's talking about living as a body. And in Ephesians 4 and verse 16, talking about the body functioning, the body being built up by leaders, he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. A body is being built, being taught by those in leadership. Then what happens in verse 15, speaking the truth in love? We grew up into him who is the head. Who's speaking the truth? That's a Tom speaking the truth. That's a Chip speaking the truth. That's a Jane speaking the truth. We're not just talking about leaders. We're talking about the body. Speaking the truth to one another in love. What happens? We grew up into him who is the head, but each part ministering to and caring for others. Skip down to chapter 5. I'm sorry, the end of chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Within the body, we're going to hurt one another. We should expect to hurt someone else in the body. We should expect to be hurt at times within the body of Christ in relationships. And what does he say? Forgive. There's no need for forgiveness if no one ever gets hurt. Tell me if you believe this. When Ruth and I have been married going on 43 years now, and in those 43 years, or almost 43 years, we have not hurt hurt each other one time. I see you grinning. <laughs> what have we had to do time and time again? Why going to Ruth Ann and say, I'm sorry, I hurt you, I offended you, will you forgive me? She coming to me and saying, Dan, I hurt you, I offended you, will you forgive me? And we extend that forgiveness to each other. If we think we're going to live in a body where there's no hurting or being hurt, we're not living in reality because we're humans. We struggle. So what do we do? One of the one another's is to forgive. To carry on forgiveness someone, towards someone destroys you and hurts them deeply. Part of the body. Forgive. In chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love. We need to extend love to others. 
Love involves unconditional giving. That means we love others who are imperfect, who have failures, who have shortcomings, who struggle, who blow it. We still love them. We're committed to them. Love is saying to someone, I want you to know that I'm unconditionally committed to you, period. You may do something great tomorrow. You may do something terrible tomorrow. You may do something terrible two weeks from now, but I'm committed to you, period. I may have to rebuke you. I may have to confront you. I may have to encourage you, but I love you. I care for you. I'm committed to you. That's where he's coming from. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Live a life of love. We won't turn to Philippians 2, but you can turn to Philippians 2 and you would find there the whole issue of body relationships, ministry to one another. In Colossians 3, he talks about how believers relate to one another. In James chapter 3, he talks about having earthly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom, and he promotes heavenly wisdom. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, he talks about brotherly love. He talks about being hospitable, opening homes and lives to one another. That's part of being the body. We're members of a body. In 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 24, he again talks about just the whole issue of love. So the biblical teaching is that believers in Christ, saints, are dependent upon Christ, the head, and display this dependency by consistently practicing, giving, and receiving the one another's of Scripture within local churches. We need body, life. We need to apply the one another's. If we're going to develop, we're going to be healthy. We depend upon Christ by depending upon others. We say, well, I can get along without others. Well, you may try to get along without others, but you're not going to be what God designed you to be. You're not going to mature (coughs) as he wants you to mature. I want you to think about this, and I'm looking for response. What items are involved in our battle with practicing body life, the one another's? What holds us back? Why do we struggle in being dependent upon others? What are some items that might hold us back from being dependent upon others? Okay, our culture. And... Okay, promotes independence. By the way, interesting thought. Our country was founded upon wanting to be independent. (laughs) And we tend to live as individuals, and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, no, I think that comes through. So our culture promotes independence. What items are involved in our battle with practicing body life? What holds us back? Anyone else? Pride. 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 Oh, I sometimes get so frustrated at myself with my pride. Pride in the sense that I can handle life and don't want to share it with anyone else, you know, but God's been breaking me. Cheryl? Well, sometimes, too, if you share a burden, you're afraid of it going beyond where it's supposed to be going. 
Okay, we're afraid the burden we share might be going to X, Y, Z rather than A and B. So we fear that. Any others that you think of? One that comes to my mind is we don't want to be hurt again. You get burnt one time, don't want to be burnt twice. You know, wise people learn after one experience. You ever consider that maybe getting burnt and hurting others, we should consider that as part of life? That is going to happen probably more than once. We're going to hurt someone else. Someone might hurt us. Practicing a body life results in transformation from the inside out. I'm sorry. We show dependency upon Christ through faithful, consistent practice of the one another's. I can say I'm dependent upon Christ. But then when I go through a difficulty, I don't share it with anyone else. I can't depend on Christ if I'm not willing to let others minister to me. We show dependency on Christ by dependency upon others. The practice of body life, the one another's, results in transformation from the inside out. The mind, the beliefs, the attitudes are changing In contrast, neglect of body life results in stagnation. It's been my observance over the years that some people just seem to be slowly and steady maturing in Christ. And it's related to more and more practicing body life. My teen years... And my early 20s were pretty stagnant spiritually. The first few years of our marriage were pretty stagnant for me spiritually. Why? Because I live more as an island rather than as a member of the body of Christ. Body, much body life, the one another's, will take place outside of corporate worship. Some may take place while we come together, but much of it will take place in everyday life. Whether it be in a family, whether it be in a marriage, whether it be just talking to someone, relating to someone. Many believers are at level one. When God desires for them to be at level eight, and what's the issue? Body life. Practicing the one another's. Much body life should be present within marriage and within the family, parents and children in that relationship. A husband and a wife being able to share joys and burdens and pray for one another and care deeply for one another and rebuke one another and correct one another, but yet be committed to one another. Parents and children being able to forgive one another and exhort one another and encourage one another and carry one another's burdens, correct one another and so on. And that having a tremendous impact on the family. 
for what it is worth, I would encourage you as a couple, as a family, to take time to turn off the radio, shut off all the phones, turn off the TV, and have some time to talk, to pray, to share. Where you're not going to be interrupted if it's five minutes or ten minutes or whatever. For a kid to say, here's my struggle in school. For dad to say, here's a struggle I've had in work. For mom to say, here's something good happening in my life. For a daughter to say, here's something I'm thankful for. Just to share. I think the home, the marriage is one of the primary small groups for the practice of body life. And then that happening among believers within the body of Christ. We have a natural tendency to hide. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Ask, you know, Adam, where are you? And, you know, he was hiding. Then he responded to Eve and Eve. And Adam not only hid, but they also blamed. We tend to live that way. But God designed us in Christ to deal with that hiding so that we can be part of the body of Christ. Alan, would you come up here, please? I'm going to give Alan a pair of gloves. If he wants to put them on, he can. I'm going to give Alan some thread here also. I'm afraid you cut your hands. I'm going to see if he can pick up this bucket of 50 pounds with these strands of thread. Oh, as body life goes, shouldn't you have a glove on helping me? Uh, okay, thank you. You may sit down. I should, I guess. There's 30 strands of thread there. Bound together, working as a unit, the bucket was lifted. That's body life. Living in dependency upon others in whatever way, shape, or form it looks like. Here's the account of someone who is practicing body life, and again, a true account. She moved from being fearful of displeasing people to confidence in Christ. She moved from withdrawing when told about the need to change to seeking Christ and change, and has blossomed. She moved from hiding concerns and weaknesses to requesting prayer and seeing weaknesses as opportunities to mature in Christ. She moved from trying, being slow to trying anything new to being willing to try most anything as she would talk to God about trying something new. She moved from rarely expressing her opinion to asking questions to get others to open up and then listen to them and share with them. She moved from keeping her struggles to herself 
to freely sharing and asking for prayer. She moved from an island to a deep, deep encourager. Why? Because over the years, she is maturing and practicing the one another's of Scripture. The one another's of Scripture can be practiced as we live in light of Christ and who He is. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 5 as Randy Yeager comes for us and reads. Hebrews 5 is about Christ, and it's through Him we can live victorious lives. Randy?